Are we not the bestest of friends already? Only in media. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the only podcast that moonlights as the production crew for the NHL on TNT. And I got to say, I think things are going great. Real swell. Taylor, how are you? You know, hanging in. Um, I'm not split across, you know, the bottom and the top of the screen right now. So, like, I guess all things considered, pretty good. Listen, they they promised innovation. They promised to, you know, take the kind of stodgy and stolid work that NBC did after so long and, and really kind of changed the paradigm. And I think maybe they missed the mark tonight a little bit. But, hey, gotta, you got to shoot shoot for the moon and you'll land amongst the stars, as they say. Well, and it's also preseason for all of us. So, you know, like, I mean, I went into the press box at the American Airlines Center for the Stars' Ooh, first home, home preseason brag. game. And I forgot, like, my phone charger. I, I, uh, you know, you just, you kind of look around and you go, wait, how do I do this again? What do I do? Where do I go? Who am I seeing? What am I, where am I supposed to be? So I think we're all still trying to fill it, fill it out at the start of a season for the first kind of quote normal season in like 18 months. So right. I, I, to work out. And I think that where do I go? What am I supposed to be doing is if, if there is a better kind of summary of the hockey preseason i haven't heard it it's it's a good reminder that the nhl preseason is like they took the nfl preseason and said whoa whoa whoa, that's too competitive it matters too much let's pull it back but yeah. with that said we we finally have actual hockey to talk about which is it's progress right i'll take it we saw and, games and players and skates and heard the sounds of the game for the first time you know been a long while so yeah, let's get into it. I'm excited. They had, yeah, they had real jerseys. And so, you know, we can spin this a little bit depending on your perspective. The Stars at this point are undefeated in regulation. The Stars are winless. Um, you know, it's back to the the same old, same old two games. Of course, they lost 2-1 to one to St. Louis. And then they lost a 4-3 decision in a shootout to the Florida Panthers. And first question, you know, coming at you hot, Taylor, is it, is it time to hit the panic button? yes it's always time to panic just you know that should be your default um no you know it's really tough because when so after the home game on wednesday night i was in the press spot or in you know in the media and and i asked head coach rick bonus hey bonus this is like not the first time that your team has just i don't know decided not to play in the third period um kind of been a thing for a couple years now the and old the old 40 minute dallas stars right yeah and he and he just says that was last year that's in the past this is this year we're gonna address it but i'm sitting there thinking okay how many times have i heard you say that before yeah. um you know and and with a group that is basically the same you know relatively speaking over the last two two three seasons um it's kind of hard not to go, hey, this is just another trend that's continuing and not, you know, this is a feature, not a bug. Yeah, um, it's, it's the, you know, it's the the old adage, right? You know, it was a snake when you picked it up. If, if the same group of players is doing the same thing they've always done, 
then yes, a part of me wants to look at the preseason and say, oh, this doesn't matter, it's the preseason. But like you said, these are not, you know, Dallas's inability to close out a close game. Dallas's inability to generate much in the way of, of you know, threatening offense in the in overtime. Dallas's kind of stumbles in the shootout, right? These are not new things. And so it, it, while it isn't fair in a vacuum to say it's the preseason, let's not read into it. Well, that's that's one thing. The other thing is, well, they, they, there are some things that we, we kind of need to see out of this group at some point, potentially. Yeah, but the one thing I will say is, I actually liked the player responses. We spoke with Ryan Suter, who is new to Dallas, and so maybe is doesn't have the uh, third period turtle. That long track him. record of Minnesota success. <laughs> hey, <laughs> relativity here right now. Um, <laughs> but you know, he says, you know, you don't want to just dismiss something as, oh, well, it's just preseason because. I mean, reading between the lines, he basically is saying this is when habits are formed. This yeah. is when we we set our good habits and our you know and work on our details and not yada yada yada. So I like that. And then Jason Robertson basically came out and he said it was unacceptable. And yeah. I think when a young guy who is a key part of your offense is basically saying that, then you know maybe it makes the rest of the room kind of sit up and go, Oh, maybe there is a problem or we should definitely be listening to them. Um, now, obviously both of those players were also part of the problem. Yep. But, but, but you know, at least they recognize it and maybe they do better next time. Yeah. yeah and, and it's, yeah, it's all we can do, do better next time. It's all we can hope for the, the next title of the Dallas Stars seasonal DVD. No, it's, it's, um, it's interesting. It, even in a microcosm, Jason Robertson having those comments is a really nice example of where the stars are. Because at the one hand, it's great to see that kind of of awareness from a player and hear that that quote. On the other hand, it's you know he was definitely part of the issue. On the other other hand, he went to the you know kind of he went to the danger area, caught caught a puck in an uncomfortable spot, and got a goal t- that night. Right. So it, it's you see smatterings of the things that you want to see out of the Dallas stars. And the eternal question is, you know, can they put it together over the course of an entire game? Right. That's, that's the bit they had. They, you know, again, stop me if you've heard this before Taylor, but they, they significantly outshot the Florida Panthers. They had good chances. They had, you know, kind of steady possession. And then, and then they didn't Right, the old, uh, the old Braden Holtby's turtle situation popped up and, and, they wound up in overtime and once again it looked like once they got to overtime they didn't really know what to do once they got there and, and the game was just kind of over before but, we get too far down that that road and i know there's a lot to unpack still but can i just make one little social comment it never ceases to amaze me how uncomfortable men get asking if a player got hit in the groin <laughs> just use the word groin we all know what you're talking about it's but like it's Dude, less for one of the guys is like, did you get hit down there? What euphemism are we doing here? Yeah, we no, talk that's about groin injuries in hockey all the time, guys. Like, it's a normal thing. <laughs> it's it's completely normal. It's it's a I I, I just ask it in different ways because I, I think it's funny to ask if a guy got hit in the pills. I mean, you're talking to somebody that laughed his butt off when uh, in my NHL 1999 season, Paul Vilbury was out six months with a shattered testicle. So these are things that happen. I, I do wish we talked about it more just because it's, it's kind of funny, but um, yeah. But for those, those that don't know or were unable to watch the highlights with Jason Robertson's goal, he got hit in Square the on. Square on. Square on, just like right in the pills. Friendly fire, and then he just like 
kind of recovered. I mean, he looks like he was in some serious pain and discomfort, but then he, he, uh, you know, stayed in that, in that, right in that, in that slot area and was able to, to push a rebound home. And, you know, one of the things that I thought was really, really neat was bonus basically said, you know, last year when Robertson came up, he wasn't going to those places or he wasn't staying in those places. So he, he wasn't committing to the, the hard, you know, the hard areas, which hockey men talk about, but you know, for him to basically sit there when you have to imagine that the family jewels were not feeling very good. Well, you have a, you have to, he, he scored, it was just outside of the grace period, right? You get tagged real bad and you usually have a, there's, there's this, like this weird couple of minutes where you're outside yourself and your body's kind of catching up to the impact. And so you, you've got a grace period of a couple of seconds before everything goes nasty. So it seemed like he had enough of his mind about him to, to battle through that stage and, and get something on the frame. And he has <laughs> also apparently taken over Jason Dickinson's role as, um, the you know the one with the face because he, has a face. he took he has a face um and right now it's uncomfortably looking because he took a stick off of a draw right in right in the lip and busted it open and had something like seven or eight stitches um in between periods <laughs> so he got hit in the in the face and then he got hit in the groin and like really like let's just make it through preseason without, you know, maybe, maybe that can be it for him. I would question. feel really bad if the Jason curse is alive. I, I have a question and I, I don't want you to expose any of the sources you've cultivated as a longtime Dallas stars insider. What is the chance that it is in fact, not Jason Robertson in the lineup, but in a face-off like situation, Jason Dickinson somehow managed to take his face off and switch places and Jason Robertson is actually Jason Dickinson and Jason Dickinson is actually Jason Robertson. I'm starting to think it's a non-zero chance. Okay. Well, it's, it's definitely something we're going to keep our eye on as the preseason trundles along. And as you said, a lot to unpack and uh, we're going to move on from, from Jason Robertson's package, uh, RAP for the moment. But, um, other thing that jumped out to me, just abruptly switching, is is bonus this postseason, right? There's well-known kind of goalie situation brewing in Dallas. There, there's three and a half to four players that are vying for the spots at the NHL, all sorts of cap implications. And one of the interesting things to me is, is Rick Bonus came out and said, no, this preseason, historically, and I don't have any idea percentages-wise, but I know that in my experience, teams tend to rotate, right? A guy gets a period, a guy gets half of a game, right? They, they get two guys in each preseason game. Well, this time Rick Bonus has announced that he's going to give each of the goalies an entire game as a part of his process for evaluating who's going to reach the NHL level. And, and I wanted to get your take on, you know, how do you feel this, this feels innovative to me? Did, did you have the same impression when you heard him, him kind of talk through this? I don't know if it's innovative. I don't know how I go that far. But, you know, I think that it's probably the best way to evaluate the goaltending. Um, because obviously you can see if the team completely just stops playing in the middle, you know, and for essentially the entire third period, how does that goaltender respond? And would it be fair to judge Britton Holtby on coming in to that kind of situation? When, you know, he doesn't get the benefit of the two periods before where the team was actually playing, playing, you know, so. Well, he did play in Vancouver, good. so we know how Braden Holtby acts in situations where the team in front of him can't play like a defense. 
Well, that's also fair. Um, <laughs> good point. Uh, definitely point Robert, or point West on that one. Um, yeah, I I just I want to be able to see each goaltender hopefully get a chance at playing behind a more NHL quality lineup. The first game was very prospect heavy, which is normal during preseason. You know, most veterans don't want to have to travel. Um, travel is completely different in the preseason. Typically teams are going, you know, day of your you're flying in, you're flying out. It makes for pretty long days and kind of screws around with your pregame routines and all of that jazz. Uh, so it's not uncommon. Most most teams do that at least for the first, you know, four or five games in the preseason. And then the last couple, you're closer to your NHL roster. But, you know, I'd like to be able to see Braden Holtby get a chance behind the type of lineup that Jake Ottinger had. And honestly, I'm not sure that Jake Ottinger did himself any favors yesterday. No, I don't think he did. Wednesday. I, I, um, the, a couple of those, I, I would go so far. I, I wouldn't say, hmm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to toe the line because it's, I, I don't think you can hang the game on him, right? The, the Dallas stars did not lose that game because Jake Ottinger couldn't stop the puck, but there were a couple of those, he probably wants on the balance a couple of those goals back. Um, you know, just there's some there's just some stuff, right? That if you're going to be the guy for a team that has playoff aspirations, you, you'd like to find a, you'd like to find another save, right? 56 seconds or, or whatever it was left in the third period. Um, one of the goals on the partial breakaway kind of snuck in under him. Th- there was some stuff that it looked like he got his body on and then it still managed to squirm its way through. And those are that that's typically not. It didn't. Yeah, I didn't come out of that game thinking, oh, yeah, this guy's really, um, you know, really demanding his spot. And you have to consider that even though it was the Stars lost in overtime to St. Louis 2-1, they held essentially a NHL level opponent because that's what the Blues rolled Mm -hmm. out in that first game um, with a practically AHL lineup in front of Holby and, and that's, he that's was generous. able to keep it <laughs> yeah I mean a lot of junior kids played you know so like so he was able to do to have a t- you know two goals again or one goal against he did more with less yeah the third and the overtime so yeah so he did more with less and then you watch Ottinger and and yeah he had two that two get two where it just kind of stuck through him and he didn't quite have it the way he thought and that's going to happen over the course of a season. And I don't, I'm not, I'm not here saying that Jake Ottinger definitely lost his job or something. He's, he's washed. Um, he's washed. Yeah, he's done. Definitely. Carter yes. Hart part two. Oh gosh. Don't, don't put that voodoo <laughs> out there. Goaltenders are already voodoo. We don't need to add more to it, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so like, I'm not saying that, but one understandable two in a game, that's not a good nine. Yeah, um, as we've talked about, right? Like the reality is with the way that this roster is constructed, if Jake Ottinger finishes tied with any of the other players, right, he probably winds up in the AHL. So he's the guy, he's the guy that needs to make a statement this postseason. He doesn't just need to play well. And I know that sounds foolish, but you know, all things being equal, he's the one that's waiver exempt. He's the one that's younger. He's the one that can go down without it becoming a, you know, all quotes thing, right? So you if you're Ottinger and if you're looking to make this team, you 
one game isn't you're right it's not going to make the difference but at some point to make this to make this team right he's going to have to have a couple of moments where he's carrying a team or stealing a couple of goals like he he's going to need to flash a little bit to i think get this coaching staff's attention and really think he can move ahead of somebody in the packing order i just like how you know you're out here talking about postseason and like what what time of year do you think we're in oh my god did i say postseason <laughs> you did time is a time circle. is irrelevant we don't know we don't even know what day it is anymore guys it's just it's what it is that's oh pandemic gosh. life we'll fix we it in post lost, lost it we'll fix, it's fine i was just because yeah i think you're right he didn't he did not do himself any favors yeah but you know at the same time we haven't seen kudovan in a game yet yep um so we don't know how he's looking i'm not saying that kudovan is realistically on the chopping block I think that you, I think we've all pretty much read the tea leaves and sat and been on cap friendly enough to know that it's likely going to be Kadovan and Holby yep. to start the season uninjured down in the AHL, getting, you know, big minutes as a starter down there. And then if or when Ben Bishop is healthy enough to return and contribute to this team winning games, then I think that the performance of Kadovan and Holby. It slash any potential injuries down the line will make one of those two trade bait. So, yeah. I mean, there's always there's always teams out there that get into the season and all of a sudden realize they do not have a tandem or they need a solid backup. So, usually goaltenders are easier to unload. Uh, but you gotta play, gotta play well. Question mark of whether Ben Bishop is going to be back and if he has win. And of course, there has been no news or development. He continues to practice with the team. He continues to not be cleared medically. We haven't seen him in a preseason game yet. So that that whole situation just sort of hangs over the team like a cloud. I, I want to pivot briefly to maybe not briefly, doesn't have to be. But the other the other kind of AHL slash NHL hopeful is Thomas Harley. And I wanted to get your impressions in particular against Florida of where you see him on the development curve. I know we talked, I think two podcasts running and it's, it will be a theme. So buckle up listeners about his likelihood of breaking camp on the NHL roster. And same, same question as Ottinger, right? Did he, did he help himself or hurt himself in your estimation? Ottinger, if I had to pick between hurt or help, help, I would say last night's performance probably hurt him. Harley was it I didn't notice him as often as I thought I would. I will admit that I was definitely paying a little bit more attention to Suter and Klingberg when they were on the ice just because I think that that's a potential for a top pairing and I was curious to see how their chemistry played out in a game time situation. So I don't know, to be determined on Harley. I'm I not think that saying it was bad but I don't like he didn't stand out either so that's not a bad thing as a defenseman though like as a defenseman if you're not standing out then like obviously you're not doing anything super wrong either yeah I, I think for me the two things that stood out about Harley and, and I would say it, it's one game so this is harsh and unfair but the idea is we'll stack up similar evaluations over the course of the preseason and get a a more robust sample size answer but I would say he probably set himself back a little bit so in my opinion one of the things that stood out in a good way is physically like his stature. He looked, he looked the same as the guys they were playing. It's like, he looked like an NHL player. He had much closer to an NHL body. He was physically 
closer to where he needs to be. And of course, as, as young as he is, right, a lot of, at his age range, a lot of really significant physical development happens. And as a defenseman, you've got to to hold up in a, in a different way. So I was, in, I was pleasantly surprised by how normal he looked compared to sort of the standard around him. I did think he looked tentative using that. So there was a sequence in the third period and, and nothing came of it. It wasn't in and of itself a big play or a bad play, but there was a puck. It got, it ran around the back um, behind the Dallas net, you know, Harley went in to the corner, uh, kind of jockeying for position with one of the Florida forwards. And, you know, it's one of those plays like I am just so used to a regular NHL defenseman kind of going body on body, pinning, pinning the forward into the boards and, and either locking up or progressing the puck, right? It happens a million times. It's sort of the hockey play. And there was just, you know, when, when Harley went in, he was a little bit upright. He was a little bit far back. There wasn't quite as much contact. It was much more of a, much more of a, of an arm lean and, you know, no real leverage. And it just kind of struck me. I, I just, if I'm, Again, this is this is nitpicking, but I'm trying to use this as an example of, of kind of something that I saw. If I'm watching that, it's not much like Andre. It's not that, oh my gosh, this kid can't hack it. Everything we know is wrong. He's, you know, he's off the team. No, no, no. He's, it doesn't doesn't change his long-term trajectory at all. But it does make me take a second glance and say, you know what? He really would benefit from spending another year at, you know, a slightly lower level of competition just to just make sure his game is full and right by the time he steps into the NHL full time. And that's not a bad thing. No. Tom Harley is twenty <laughs> years old. Like I think people forget that, you know, like, yes, he's the next coming of whatever defenseman insert here that you want to compare him to, but you know, I think it's unfair to start chomping at the bit that a player that was drafted only a couple of seasons ago and is only 20 years old and also um, got the benefit of playing in the AHL last year. Yeah, he got a year um, early. And so in a lot of ways, is it, in my opinion, like a year ahead of where he could have been? Um, Absolutely, yeah. For me, it was just... Yeah, I think you're right. It, it was a pump the brake moment, I think, and not a stop, but it was it was a good reminder. I think you phrased it perfectly that of where he is in his development cycle and not every, you know, prospect is going to be Ramiro Haskinen, right? And it's going to be ready to contribute at that level that early. And and it's one of those like if the standard if the standard you're using for acceptable play is Miro, then guess what? You know, the number of people that meet that standard is going to be, you know, single digits maybe right so it's not a bad thing but i do think it's again to me i come out of that game thinking yeah this this guy probably is going to spend another year in the ahl and that's a good thing and we should be okay with that as much as fans want instant gratification it's probably going to be all right but um you mentioned Suter and klingberg that's actually where i want to go next it's almost like there's a a run of show but um if if you know what were your impressions of the of the kind of top end of the line of defensive pairs they were adventurous and sometimes that was not a good thing. But I think as a pair, they looked pretty good together. They definitely were, you could tell, were trying to make conscious efforts to constantly turn, well, at least in the, I'm, I'm limiting these comments to the first two periods. Please, everybody just, they just forgot what they were doing in the third period. So the They thought it was two a two-period game. They thought they, they were watching Slapshot 2 before the game. They thought it was halftime. It was a whole deal. They'll fix it. It's fine. Yeah. Um, I and I think Bonus had a really good evaluation of it after the game. Was he said that there were individual decisions between the two 
that he didn't like defensively, and I would agree because uh, Jake got into saw some shots that he probably definitely should not have. But at the same time, it, like the the two weren't making those decisions as a unit, if that makes sense. So like yeah. you didn't see you know, somebody else blowing their coverage, trying to overreact to what the other one was doing. And so I think it was, I think those are things that you'll just like work out, right? Those are some mental mistakes that it's early in preseason. And those are the types of mistakes you're like, yeah, it's preseason. We're at the stage of the buddy cop movie where there's obvious friction and, you know, grizzled Ryan Suter doesn't like the the young gun John Klingberg's never, you know, never read a rule book, crazy attitude. And they haven't hit the montage yet that teaches them that they each serve a valuable piece of a combined whole that's greater than the sum of its parts. Like we're we're pre-montage in the preseason, and that's that's fine, I think. But before we before we do move on to some of the other NHL hopeful or excuse me, the NHL shorties. Um, I do want to give a shout out to Jacob Peterson. I actually thought that he rose his stock last night quite a bit. Um, He had a really good tournament for, you know, for Traverse City, for the Stars. Um, You know, for a kid who is for the first time on North American ice and is trying to adjust his game from the larger European sheet, I thought he looked so poised he looked like he belonged up on a top line with the likes of Sagan and Radulov. And, and so for, in my book, um, I'll be curious to see how that plays out because he could be a dark horse to potentially make the, the team coming out of camp. And I think that the lines that the teams or the lines, the groups that the team ran at training camp today uh, it showed reflected that because he was in a group with Raffle, Ben, Guryanov, Kiviranta, Sagan, Radulov, Robertson, Hintz, Pavelski, Como, Faxa, Glendini. Those are all almost assuredly going to be on the NHL roster to to start the season. Yeah. I, so he was I, he was playing 13th forward in that group. I think at the very I think you're right. Starting with Traverse City, he's really been the the undersung kind of prospect and it feels like at the very least the coaching staff is very curious about what he might bring and they're they're going to think about their yeah he's he is a question um not just one of the guys that's going to soak up some minutes so that the the stars can get their game right and then and then head back at the end of the preseason i think he's yeah, he's in a mix he's he's definitely in the mix um i, I do want to go back very quickly to to Klingberg and Suter because i think i, I like that you said I, I like the way that you described the pair because i honestly you know we've talked about this for a little while because the stars traditionally need an element of risk injected into their game sometimes in my opinion like that's that's why Klingberg is so inordinately valuable to this team so yes there's some stuff that they need to clean up and yes they need to get better at it but this is a team that will be better in the long term if they can find a way to live around that pair freelancing more than they can find a way to prevent that pair from freelancing if that makes sense for sure and you know and i think if i think if they continue to make those smart um reads to of when to be aggressive and maybe yeah. limit the times that they're dumb about it then i i think it's going to be great I, yeah. I think it could be a really promising pairing for the start. But, but you know, it's the Radula factor. This you got to limit it. Limited is a great word, but sometimes this team needs to be a little bit dumb. Like they, they just they got they sometimes they just have to be, and it helps. 
speaking of two of the other four, two of the other players I really wanted to touch on um, before we wrap this this particular podcast up. Moving to the forward group, of course, we had lengthy injury layoffs. Um, Alex Radulov played, I think it was eleven or twelve games last season. Tyler Sagan played two, something like that, with um, many months long injuries. You know, again, the results don't necessarily matter. It's watching watching on the ice. How do you view those two players? We'll start with Radulov and their progression from, you know, injury to surgery to rehab to getting ready for NHL action. I'm just always amazed at how excited Radulov is when he scores. I mean, yeah, find maybe. somebody that looks at you the way Radulov looks at a goal that's just been scored. I mean, seriously, he looks like he has not missed a step. Um, he actually, I would argue, looks more comfortable than we've probably seen him in a while. Um, and it and it reflected on basically in his positioning and and how he just always seemed to be right there around the net or ready to take you know that that cross ice pass and try to and shove it home. And he was rewarded for it last night. He got he got on the board. Um, Sagan. Speedy as he was, uh, I I don't I didn't really notice that he had lost a step. To be honest, um, I think he still needs maybe a little bit of work on his timing. And I say that, and and it's that's such a difficult thing to define when you're talking about a game that is just at times looks like organized chaos out there. Um, but he, I think that's just going to come with repetitions and and you know, with consistent line mates, um, because he definitely missed a wide open net, um, that he normally would bury early in the game. And so I think he just, I think there's maybe a little bit of that timing that he's still got to work on, um, from being off for so long, but I mean, for the most part though, those two looked exactly like you expect them to. They can look dangerous at times. Oh, and we haven't even talked about this, but, um, Sagan Radulov to start the overtime? Hello? Yeah, what? I'm into it. But you I'm know what? It. I will say this to every single person that said, but Como and Faxa were unavailable last night. I understand that. But there were other guys that are shutdown type guys. You could have put Raffle and Ben out there to start this to start overtime. But <laughs> or, or how about we just not start overtime with a shutdown pair? I mean, that's... There you, wasn't you, a single you don't have to that. kick off the, off the coin toss is all I'm saying. <laughs> Until until they hit the penalty in overtime, which is which actually was super stupid. It was a it's a too many man. Like that's just a mental mistake. That well, it's it's a team that's uncomfortable playing three on three, not wanting to play three (laughs) on three anymore. So (laughs) I mean, maybe. Um, but uh, but like, but leading up to that, I mean, we saw Radulov and Sagan. We saw. Gurianov and Hintz, we saw. It's pronounced Hans. Hans. Gurianov and Ben. That's who it was. Oh. Um, we saw them. We saw Pavelski and Robertson out there. Like there was not a single guy that went over the boards where you said, "Oh, he's a shutdown guy." You didn't see Sekera. You didn't see Raffle. Well, you didn't you, see those guys. <laughs> bonus. <laughs> bonus doesn't like, want to give away his his yeah. regular season looks in the preseason. He's keeping the real game just, plan on ice. Why are you all not willing to give me just that tiny little bit of hope that maybe, just maybe, <laughs> they're going to take just, the aggressive stance towards overtime this year instead of the conservative one, which obviously did not work last year. I just want to prepare you for Stars fandom, Taylor. And and sometimes the worst thing you can have is a little bit of hope. 
It's no, the I, hope that kills you. It is, but there is a lot. And and I think, you know, to echo what your point, Radulov looked good. What, what really struck me there, it was, it was very stark. And I even went back and watched a couple of highlights of the bubble run. It was very, very stark just how limited Sagan was in the bubble, basically dragging one leg up and down the ice. The difference between that and, yes, there were timing issues and there were plays that he missed last th- that game that would probably, you know, go off under better circumstances. But seeing him, you know, he cut in both directions. He was taking tight turns. He was accelerating well in space. Like he was a player with two functional legs <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I shouldn't be as excited about that as I am, but I, you know, I, I came away, you know, very, very optimistic about their level of contribution. And then to your point about the overtime, like this is, this is a team, if, if they can figure it out and they've, they've certainly got plenty to figure out, but this is the team, this is a team that has legitimate options heading into the season. And this is a team that that can hurt you in a couple of different ways versus the, the version we're used to where they do that one thing over and over and over again and hope that it works more often than it doesn't. Yeah, I mean, if, yeah. if, and, you know, and, and they're big ifs, and we know that, and it's going to take time to see if it can all gel together, but realistically, uh, I just want to read off the lines that the Stars ran at practice here on Thursday. Um, in the NHL quality group, they had Raffle Ben-Guriana, Kiviranta Sagan-Radulov, Robertson Hintz-Pavelski, Como Foxa-Glendinning. I don't know about you, but if I am a coach and I'm sitting there going, which of these three top lines would I like to go up against? That's going to be a little difficult to consider. Yeah. And and not only that, but if I'm, you know, let's say it's, it's not quite working or they need to generate chances and, and all of a sudden I need, you know, I'm, I'm Rick bonus. I need to go to the line blender. It's no longer, Oh, we got to get something going. I'm going to put Roddick Fox on the first line, or I'm going to, you know, put Blake. It's all of a sudden it's thinking about, okay, well, what if we put Jamie Ben back with, with Tyler Sagan for a bit, or what if we move Pavel, you know, like the pieces that are getting shuffled around are all legitimate threatening pieces. And, this team suddenly has better they they have different looks right they can they can throw a combination out there that's going to body you and and get to the front of the net they can throw a combination that's going to try and turn you around and beat you with pace right they've got a lot of different options instead of just well we've got one or two players that can score and let's just grab a grinder and throw them on the line and see if that works for a night yeah i the forward group is definitely one of the more intriguing them that we've seen in a, in a, in a while. They just got to stay healthy. They've got to find a way to stay healthy. But that's every team and that's every year. You know, the stars aren't unique to that. Although they do, they have seemed to have a lot of bad luck in that department here for a while. So maybe they're due for one of those really good years. Um, or they don't have as much of it. Um, to me, I think the four group looks pretty good. I think the defense is going to figure it out. The goaltending still remains the big question mark, and hopefully the preseason gives a little bit more clarity on in that situation. It will. It will. And all we can do is wait for the games at this point. And, you know, there's there's definitely more good than bad. And like I said, I think if you're a Stars fan, the, the wins and losses at this stage have no real meaning. It doesn't matter. So I don't think there's any um, anything to read into too much there. There's more about the individual performances. And again, on the balance, these are positive games not negative and I, I can't wait to see what's next um you know taylor any any closing thoughts no i think i just heard your uh, call to go so uh <laughs> 
yeah, we're, we we moved out of the crib, so the the two year old is enjoying her newfound freedom of the house, and my wife and I not so much. So I'm gonna go relieve her. She's been a trooper while we've recorded this, and yeah, please don't forget to to download and like and do all of the things and hit us up on the socials with questions. And again, KT, thanks for stitching it together. Taylor, thank you for your insight, and, and can't wait till the next time. 